Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to QPR, give our thoughts on the new sign of Matthew Hoppy from Real Mallorca, look ahead to the Carroll Cup game against Barnsley with Joe from Red All Over, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Board Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Board Match Day chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. And welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny and Dana. We are the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And Bora suffered the first defeat of the season at the Key and Prince Foundation Stadium against QPR. Bora were 3-0 down after 38 minutes, but rallied with goals from Matt Crooks and Marcus Force. But it wasn't enough to salvage a draw. Dana, the return of the curse as well, which is why I'm called Dana's Curse today, <laughs> if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, but how are you feeling in three words. I'm going to say unconcerned in parts and make sure to get the ellipsis in there after unconcerned. I mean, I admittedly went to sleep after I woke up. And if anybody has had that little second sleep, they'll know how deadly it is. I woke up just before the lineup was announced. I felt like I'd entered a different dimension. And then when I was watching the Borough game, I thought I definitely am in a different dimension because this is not the Middlesbrough team that I'm used to seeing. Because we were just so sloppy, weren't we, in that first half? And... Yeah, we gave ourselves a massive, massive mountain to climb and there was a few concerns from that, but then positives to take out of the second half. So we will get into that. Yeah, we will. I want to say a loss in London for mine. Just a shame to to lose, of course, the, the first game of the season. Yeah, a loss. No, so just loss in London is going to be my three. <laughs> loss in London is going to be my three. Quick maths. Um, yeah, quick maths. Um yeah, I'd say that. I think it's just a, it's a shame to to lose in such a way. But I think QPR were good yesterday, and we'll come into why we thought QPR were, were good, and also um, why Borough would just shot themselves in the foot in that in that first half, and it really stopped us playing. But let's 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 break it down because it was uh, probably a somewhat eventful game, really, because we were three 0 down for thirty eight minutes. Crooks pulled one back from a, a Giles corner, which we are now, you know set-piece specialists um, <laughs> confirmed. And then we, we scored again from Marcus Foss and, and Daryl Lenahan got a red card. So nothing much really happened. Um, yeah, but Dana, how, 
a boring game, nil nil draw all day long. Um, <laughs> but how would you uh, assess the performance against QPR? Well, they already sort of touched on it there. The first half was terrible. I think our build-up play was so poor, it was so slow and sluggish. We couldn't really break QPR down so much. Um, and we were so off the pace in terms of those easy parts of football, passing the ball to an opponent, uh, sorry, to a teammate. We were passing the ball to an opponent. Uh, our passer was incredibly poor. We were losing the ball in key moments. And suddenly we were going from a potential attack to defend, defending a counter-attack. And yeah, catalogue of individual errors from losing the ball, the first goal, for example, Jones, a fairly simple square pass to house and not played properly and then were defending a counter. Uh, bad marking, bad decision-making, poor goalkeeping. And, you know, the, the second half, to our credit, was better. You can see it's reflected in the stats as well. Um, more shots, more possession, better pass success rate, more aerials won. We definitely upped the ante in the second half because we simply had to. It was really, really poor in the first half. And it, if it wasn't for that Crooks goal at the end, then it would have been up there with the worst halves. In fact, it probably still was up there with one of the worst halves that we've seen under Chris Wilder. Um, I think Akpom made the difference because he was able to pick balls out of the sky and spin beyond defenders using his pace. And that's what Jimmy Dunn in particular doesn't want to see. So, yeah, it, Better in the second half, but we gave ourselves far too big of a mountain to climb in the first, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we did. And, you know, when, when you're 3-0 down after 38 minutes, it, I think it's very, very difficult uh, to come back from it. It's not 2006 anymore. We we don't have the firepower of Macaroni, Paducah, Hasselbank, Yakubu, Gowan and Whitman balls in. I mean, Giles has is, is, is got yeah. wicked left foot as well, but... Um, yeah, it was just it was you were never going to come back from from that game, but we we nearly did, of course. Obviously, one of the goals was disallowed, and I thought we played really well in that second half. But it was a bit of a concern yesterday around that midfield, Dana, because from a few weeks ago we were praising how good it was, but we just seemed to be lacking numbers there and a lack of competition. Is is this midfield now now a concern? Even though it was probably one of our biggest strengths. Yeah, Wilder was praising it as well. It has become one of our problem positions in a way because the first two games I've seen a very hectic second half against West Brom in which we lost control of the football match and I think when you lose control of the football match it's all about the midfield and in the game against QPR yesterday I don't think we had control on it at any point really it was hectic and yeah last season it was such a good part of the pitch for us because we were effective you know getting forward getting back um the, the energy in that department was really good um the depth was good the quality was good and now we don't really have well, we don't have the depth and the quality is waning a little bit I think Matt Crooks has picked up from where he left off at the end of last season I don't think in terms of his all-round game he's showing what he's capable of of course he got in a goal and a a goal and an assist yesterday, which is what people will look at. But his all-round game, it wasn't particularly great. Um, and I don't think he was all that great against West Brom either, unfortunately. And it is early days, so this can change. Which is just yeah. an observation. Yeah, um, look, there's there's improvement there. Look, we need to go into the market. We need to bring in bodies to, to try and help this midfield and, and create the competition again, and which gets the best out of the players. But I was really intrigued yesterday around around QPR because they really stopped Borough from playing in that first half and they were forcing us long. And I feel like we should, I, could, I can break this down for us because um, 
I really like QPR's shape yesterday. Um, they were set up in a 4-2-3-1. Amos Chair and, and Willock were rotating that number 10 role. Defensively, Amos would, dro- would drop a little bit deeper and create more of like a three uh, to stop any midfield overloads, which you can potentially have in a 3-5-2 when, you, when you're playing as poor. Um, I think the beauty of a 4-2-3-1 or like that 4-4-1-1 or whatever you want to call it, um, it does give you flexibility, especially in midfield and like those forward areas. And But most important, it allows you to maintain your shape especially in those defensive defensive areas. And and that's what they did. They were really, really good at occupying space, especially over in the half spaces. Um, and on the first graphic that I've pulled up is that it's a lovely little line um, across the back five. It's a lovely little curved line, you know, very compact. They're not as the only width that they've got is probably the half space at a, a push, which is going to make things really difficult. Then also you're compacting the midfield as well, which is going to force Borough, uh, force Borough along to try and get the ball to, to Giles or Jones. And the only time they ever got that Giles and Jones was because they would have to come up into that in that building phase where you're in that you're in your Borough's third or in that mid that mid third of the of the pitch where you've got more of the ball and they have to pretty much like come up to try and create the space to try and progress Borough forward. And Borough really struggled uh, with that and I think QPR's like aggressive press um and occupying that half space was really, really good. Uh, the only way you can really get past that at times was the, those quicker diags and getting a bit of tempo in that midfield. And that's what we did in the second half. And that's how we were able to create more chances because we were much quicker getting that diags to try and stop them from compacting in the shape that they're in. And that stops the rotation as well. But on that first goal, Borough do have the ball. Dykes just passing it all wide to Jones. Jones gets it. And this part of Boris' play is good. Like This is really, really good play because we know there's going to be a combination play here. Uh, you've got Crooks is about to come in, which he does. Uh, we've got Dyke Steele there as well. And Johnny Housen is just out the picture. Um, but Jones will look to pass to him in a second. But what Crooks is really good at here, um, he sees that Jones is going to put on his left foot. So he knows the combination is going to go. And he calls out to that right-hand side into the wide space. Um, and then Middlesbrough have got a 2v1. Um, on the flank, which will create a big, big chance. Jones decides to give a suicide ball to Johnny Housen. Um, and if you want to put Johnny Housen in the hospital, that is the exact type of ball you want to put him in with. Um, and it's and with comp- the compact nature of, of QPR's shape, um, they're able to, to aggressively press the ball fairly quickly. And given it's such a bad ball and the fizz just isn't there, they win it back really, really well. And now that Crooks has already made the move, Jones has made the move, Housens hasn't got the ball. It creates a massive space in the middle of the pitch. And Chris Willett can just run and run and run um, into this space. But if you want to be really critical in this moment and where, where he does get the ball and he's just about to pass the halfway line, there's a massive gap between the midfield and the defence because Lenahan and Baller and, and probably Tag Steele, who's in the, just in the bottom of the picture as well, are starting to go back towards the goal. If you want to, um, you can probably have a line towards or not as go as far back as the is the centre circle, and that's a really, really high line, and that's a lot of space behind you. I mean, there's there's pros and cons to both of it, but Borough choose to go back, again, not a bad thing, um, because you're trying to defend your goal at this point because you're being exposed. Um, Jones tries to take him down, fails miserably. Then Dyke Steele again. At this point, Dyke Steele just do anything, just chop him down, take the yellow card, take one for the team, um, and then this goal probably won't happen. But what Chris Wilkes does really well is he, he shields the ball off well. He was, he's, he's got his back to Dyke Steele. He's got the ball away from him. The foot's just he's placed the ball on the right on the outside of his foot, so he's going to play it just outside of him into a more of a central position. 
which again, really good from him. Um, and then he gets his shot away, which is an absolute rocket. No chance for Stefan. But there's been three phases there where Borough have probably done problems. You have, I've got problems there because obviously the Jones pass, which is frustrating. And you've got that big space in the middle. And then also you've got the the tackles where you just need to, to just to take him out, really. But the Dawn and he scores a, a really, really good goal. And I think you can have no complaints from a Zach Stefan point of view, which we will come on to in a second. Um, <laughs> but that first... That first goal for me, I think it's really, really good. And I think obviously the beauty of a 4-4-1-1, like I mentioned, that flexibility, that rotation you can have, that shape, nature, the aggressive press is really good. 3-5-2, which Borough are really good at. You can create overloads in that half space and, and out wide as well. And that combination play is really good. You see it a lot from Borough this year. And you, know, you can get switches across the play as well. But I think the downside to so many formations, you know, it doesn't really matter sometimes what formation you play. Because there's pros and cons to everything, like four four two, you could have a load of space between defence, midfield, and strikers, or you can have four three three is good for balance. But you know, when's your fullback going to engage? How and know when to do that? How much space can you give four four one one? You know, like that compact nature, really good for rotation. But then also, if you're compact, then you can you give away a lot of space at wide. I mean, that, I mean, ana- just... that analysis course is coming in clutch. There is it, Charlie? It like is spitting it all out. Just spin <laughs> all out, you know. But like that's what but, I mean. Like I think. It, it's it's right like there's you can have so many formations but like it's it doesn't really matter at that point mm. you know you've got there's gonna be pros and cons to any of it but you got what were you gonna say there yeah the... i was gonna say wilder's spoken about wanting more devilment from players and i think dyke still's mm. far too nice there isn't he like you said he does need to take one for the team there and just take willick out because we've seen how good chris willick is he is such a good player at this level i was surprised that he was playing because obviously he got an injury and a pretty bad one at the end of last season but obviously um recovery obviously went went well unfortunately for us um knock your camera out there johnny yeah sorry but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think we need more nastiness in our in our team we just need adam clayton there to just come and rugby tackle uh chris willick could just take him out you know that tactical foul that's what was needed there from either jones or dykesteel and unfortunately it didn't happen yeah, it's a shame. And, you know, I was I mentioned Zach Stefan there as well, having absolutely no chance on the first goal. Um, and as it's, it's courtesy that you, you, you're drinking the, the malt out of the Malt Curse mug there because the Malt Curse was back. <laughs> um, the Malt Curse, curse of Middlesbrough Football Club, he said that he'd be able to catch you from the stadium yes, uh, last, on last week's podcast, Anna. And he couldn't catch a cold after that, that second goal mm. yesterday. Well, he did, he was good. He caught quite a few in the afterwards, but. He's got to do better, well, hasn't to, he? To be fair, yeah, he does need to do better. I have noticed he's he likes more to punch than to catch. In fairness, which is you know, it obviously up Again, to him. Not, but not a bad thing, yeah. Not a bad yeah, thing. not a bad thing. But in that instance yesterday, it turned out to be a bad thing because it's obviously there is contact. I think it's Jimmy Dunn puts his arm on Stefan, but it's not enough for me for a six foot three, fairly beefy goalkeeper to be moved as much as Zach Stefan is and to subsequently claim a foul. Um, the argument that I've seen towards it being a foul is that we've seen them given, but that to me is a cop-out answer. It's either a foul or it isn't. And for me, it's just not a foul. It's it's nowhere near enough. We There's a big discussion about goalkeepers being protected. If that had been given, I'd be wiping sp- sweat off my brow because you know thinking oh we got away with one there because it's just not a foul for me it's just nowhere near enough for you know to claim one and I mean it's kind of irrelevant anyway in the end because we just weren't good enough Wilder was speaking and channeling Neil Warnock after the game uh talking about the referees the officials but we were not good enough even if the, (laughs) the the referee and the officials were on our side that first half 
was as bad as you're going to see under Chris Wilder. So, yeah, it, it was poor. He needed to be stronger with that. And I, I don't want to overpraise him or over-criticise him, Zach Steffen, but that was a red flag planted firmly in the soil at Loftus Road. So something to be mindful of. Yeah, but there's mistakes all over the pitch, Dana, and there definitely was uh, yesterday. And the third goal is is very much you know relevant to that because another individual mistake from Borough um, and a set play, 38 minutes, you're 3-0 down. Let's break this goal down as well because it could be so much better. Yeah, it's so, so poor from Borough. And it's straight off the training ground, really, isn't it? I mean, you've got Stephanie Hansen in a live Textbook. chair. Yeah, standing over the ball. It's obvious it's going to be clipped in. I know we've obviously got Matt Crooks in the wall there just in case Chair is going to try to, to put it into that top corner. But as just before the ball is actually played in by Stefan Johansson, you can see exactly who's marking who in uh, in the box and just on the edge of it. Everybody's picking somebody up and Dyke Steele's got Dicky. Baller's got Dykes and this is really important because just again you know we we move on a little bit just before or just as Johansson moves to then play the ball into the box Dykes makes a very good but quite simple run off the back of literally everybody he peels off into a more central space in between our defenders there's I think it's Giles in the middle of the box and then Jones makes a run and then Dyke Steele all of a sudden, as I said, he's marking Dickey. He's then got to think about who's coming on the inside of him, which is Lyndon Dykes. Baller, meanwhile, isn't actually picking up this movement. So Dyke Steele makes that, uh, sorry, Dykes makes that move. You can see why I'm getting mixed up there. Dykes makes that move centrally and then, Dyke Steele has then two men to contend to. So he has that last minute decision to switch to, to Dykes because he's obviously made that move central, peeled off everybody. And Bowler, unfortunately, has not tracked that run and he gets stuck behind that scrum, if you like, in the box. And it's really unfortunate the way that it plays out because it's good movement, but it's it's fairly simple. I, th- I still feel like Dykes still maybe has to do a little bit better. Um, you can see just as he kind of realises that Dykes is there, you can see with it by his body position, it's kind of that last minute panic of, right, and I need to c- completely change my kind of where my body's actually going because he was on D- uh, Dickie, now he's on Dykes. So he's got a 2v1 in QPR's favour and definitely against Anthony Dyke still. Meanwhile, ball is still just there and he just doesn't pick up that run from Dykes, which is really disappointing. You've then got Zach Steffen, who seems to lag a little bit and dive after the ball is, is um, being headed behind him. But it's just really, really poor. Um, simple run. Not tracked by Baller. I still think Dyke still could be better, get his body in front, maybe be a little bit stronger. But it's just really, really poor and really avoidable as well. I don't think Chris Wilder and Cole would be happy with that one whatsoever. Yeah, frustrating. Um, it's frustrating, I think, from a borough perspective. You know, it's another individual mistake. But again, it's. I, I don't think that QPR were were in danger of, of causing Borough a lot of problems yesterday. I think shape-wise and in the way that the, the played, I thought it was relatively a steady performance from them. It was just, I think Middlesbrough's mistakes gave QPR the opportunity. And at that level, you, you're going to get punished in those moments. And 
you know, being obviously three 0 down after thirty eight minutes, not fun. But we we did get back at the game, you know, set piece specialists, of course, now with, with the goal <laughs> and McNair and Akpom coming on as well, which again for for for, for like, you know, a lot more. I thought Akpom was was superb yesterday. Um, and there's a lot of positives, probably is there still is positives to take from, from yesterday as well. Um, but Borough really seemed to find the groove and, and rhythm, and we showed that with Borough's goal because Marcus Foss scored his first goal from you know in, in his first league start, and that's a big bonus. But it was trademark from Foss, and it was trademark from Borough, and it was a good goal from Borough, wasn't it? Dana? It was, yeah. Uh, McNair picks it up on the on the right hand side, and this is what I absolutely love about our play you can see that somebody drops deep. They take the ball in, they trap it, and they move. And it's about that physicality, but mobility as well, crucially. And we do have a question about Uche later, which you know we'll obviously get on to a big part of what's missing from Uche, which is the latter part of what I've just said. But Akpom drops deep, and he takes the ball in from McNair. And then what happens is Force makes a really good run, and he curves his run centrally. And what it does is it takes, I think it's Dicky towards him and opens up space for Matt Crooks and it's really good play there in the half space Matt Crooks as we see him down that right hand side really good ball into the box and what I like the most about it is is Force's run is with the intent not just to be in an area just for the sake of it but he knows that that cross is going to be put on a plate for him and I mean six yard box Marcus Force goal it's yeah it is standard uh Marcus Trademark, Force from, yeah. from what yeah from what we've heard um and hopefully we can see a lot more of that the kind of gambling and and being in the area with the intent that the ball is going to be put into the box into that area and it's just really unfortunate after that because it did feel like we were in the ascendancy but QPR did something very clever in terms of game management I think it might have been Johansson that that goes down injured and it just took the sting out of the game. And as soon as I realised that there was a stoppage in play, I was like, yeah, this is... I think that's completely halted our momentum there, unfortunately. And yeah, we couldn't get back into the game. We fizzled out after that, unfortunately. But, you know, it was good game management from QPR. Borough just, yeah, didn't have that spark in the end to get us back into the game and, and get us that point. Yeah, and I was just gonna say, Max did a massive yawn there as well. And this is right, and this <laughs> ran for that he, city. Yeah, he wasn't happy with my rambling and waffling there, was he? <laughs> uh, no, it, it was. It was. I don't know if it was that. Um, I think he was just disappointed in Boyer's performance yesterday. But I think, it was like, look, I think it was a lot of. I think even though it was a defeat, and the, that first forty minutes was really poor. You know, I think there was there's there's definitely a lot of you know positives to take from that, and then finally. Lenahan, red cards, no complaints. I, I don't have any, to be honest. Do you? No, it was a nasty no. challenge because the, the, the radio described it as a collision initially. And then on the replay, it, it was a really bad challenge. He leaves one in on Macaulay Bond. He's really poor. There's a lot going on in that moment because Tommy Smith yeah. gets clattered and taken out and someone else does as well. And then the next move is like Lenahan studs in on... Um, I think Bonds, uh, Macaulay Bonds thigh. Yeah, it's a it's a red card, and obviously it feeds into the discussion of who's going to make up our back three. Because I don't think Wilder was best pleased with Dyson's performance. And as much as I love him, it was probably one of his worst performances in the Borussia. Unfortunately, he was incredibly poor. Probably one of the worst players on the pitch, to be honest. Before he got taken off, so yeah, um, interesting, interesting for the for the next uh, league game to see you know what that defense will be. Absolutely, and and just before we move into the present place, I always feel like Tommy Smith. He just reminds me of Martin Craney. So it's and like, he's wearing gonna... fourteen as well. 
it is the region. There was a club, right? Of these There's types of players, they all wear fourteen. Lee Peltier was wearing fourteen last last season, was wasn't he? Craney, Lee Peltier, Tommy Smith. It's the all region. they're all cut from the same cloth. Just a bunch of regens <laughs> number fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> But before we go into the present place uh, this week, we just want to give us a quick shout out to the Morton Your Own Disease Association. Uh, we're looking to raise £3,000 uh, this season for uh, a wonderful, wonderful charity. And I mean, we could always put that in the present place each week. But we've just got a small clip just to give you a bit of insight as, as to why we're raising money for the Morton Your Own Disease Association this season. We want to make a difference on the podcast this year. That's why we've teamed up with the Motor Neuron Disease Association, which is a charity incredibly close to myself and my family. In 2015, my mother was diagnosed with MND, and I saw firsthand the deterioration of somebody that I loved. If you don't already know, MND is fatal and has no cure. It leaves people unable to talk, walk, swallow, and eventually breathe. But thanks to the help of the Motor Neuron Disease Association, my mother was able to communicate with us when she could no longer speak. If you'd like to help the Motor Neuron Disease Association continue their fantastic support for those with motor neuron disease, please give what you can to www.justgiving.com forward slash the Borough Breakdown MND. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The praise and place. The praise and place is the place. We give praise to players, fans, chips and gravy, curry, whatever, and more. Um, so, Dana, who gets your nomination uh, for the week in the praise and place? 
I've got two players, Ryan Giles, because some of the balls, again, that he was putting in, I was on tees after the game and I said that he must have been made in a lab because that left foot is something else. And then Akpom, because Akpom came in from literally nowhere. He was out in the cold. He was very good last week against QPR, uh, sorry, West Brom, and he changed the game against QPR. Yeah, you you were doing it last week, I am doing it this week. Um but yeah, he changed the game yesterday. I think him being on, as I said, he was able to to pick those balls out of the sky. He was able to turn. Um, it was physicality and mobility in in intertwined. And yeah, he he looked really sharp as well. Considering that his conditioning isn't top notch, because obviously he wasn't in pre season with Middlesbrough until the week before the season started. I think Atpom deserves an awful lot of credit. And on Giles, Y Scout hasn't updated yet, but I'd love to see his expected assists from this game week because yeah. I'm sure he'll be pretty up there. Um, some of the balls he was putting into the box, the, the chances that he was creating, I think he created three chances and one big chance. Um, very, very good from him. And I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, again, I'm just so excited to see more of Ryan Giles. I'm, look, I'm excited to see like how, how Borough just do in general this year. I think I'm still just as excited about this season than I was yesterday. Like even though it was defeat yeah. yesterday and it wasn't a, a good moment for us, we we do look really good in parts. And um for me that, that praise and place nomination will 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 I'll probably follow the same as you and go Giles and Akpom. I thought Akpom was superb yesterday. The way he brought others into play, the way that he it was good movement was good. He doesn't look like a player that has had a bit of a preseason out in it and we're seeing the quality that we thought we were going to get when we brought him in, and he is a good footballer. Um, and we've said this on the podcast numerous times. It just felt like the system that he was in under Neil Warnock just didn't suit him, didn't suit the team. And I remember having a po- we did a podcast before about low crosses and trying to get the most out of these out of these players. And we're finally starting to do that, and we're starting to reap, we're starting to reap the benefits of that because of the, we're trying to play any striker strengths and. For me, if if Akpom's not here at the end of the, the the transfer window, then then so be it. He, you know, he's he's played well in these games and deserves the praise that he's getting. Um, and then also Ryan Giles, excellent again, really really positive. Um, it's gonna break my heart when he goes back to Wolves unless we sign him on a permanent. <laughs> um, but then also Marcus Force was good as well. So um, yeah, it was it was relatively a good performance from from a couple of individuals from from the game, and there was positives, but. We've also had made mistakes and we've been punished for them, and hence why we lost the game. But let's move on to podcast questions, Dana, um, because each week we give you the chance to ask us a question on the podcast. Um, and you can do that via Twitter at the Borough underscore breakdown, our email at the Borough Breakdown or hotmail.com, or Telegram and join our Telegram chat with over 260 Borough fans in a Telegram chat, chatting everything, probably actually not everything Borough, probably nothing about <laughs> Borough. Um, maybe once in a while we chat about Borough, but most of the time it's absolutely <laughs> carnage in there. Um, but first question, then I'm going to come to you first. Um, and you can't I'll come to Tom, back. can you? <laughs> well, I could go up myself first. I could, I could take True. the first question. So, um, trying to, trying to do me on the intro, you know. <laughs> um, but Dominic Campbell's asked us, um, how much did Wilder get wrong in the first half, and will he take any responsibility for his actions? I don't. I think he can legislate for individual mistakes, like how we saw for each of the three goals that we conceded in that first half. What he can take responsibility for is obviously not bringing Akpom part of the into part of the picture sooner, because he does fit the style of play. He is a 
striker that benefits from having a strike partner alongside him. He does have the ability to to poach. I think he can be a build-up striker as well. We saw that yesterday with his physicality and then the kind of turn of pace that he span beyond somebody at one point yesterday. And it was unfortunate that his path was blocked after that, but he absolutely did the centre half. And I think he does fit the system, as I said. And um, I think a few people in our Telegram chat were saying the same uh, before the season started. And we're looking forward to seeing more of uh, well, what he can do. Um, but yeah, the, the mistakes in the first half, I think, were probably, I think that played a huge, huge part into how the game panned out really in that first 45. Because, I mean, Wilder can't pass on behalf of Isaiah Jones. Wilder can't, you know, claim the ball on behalf of Zach Stefan. Wilder can't track Dykes' run that Bowler should have done. It was just three really bad individual mistakes. And um, there's probably something to be said about the midfield. But as I said, you know, that that space in behind, or as you said, the, the, the space in behind, that doesn't really it doesn't happen usually because Bora are usually so good in possession so I think the players individually need to be better in uh, in possession on the ball okay then. next question it's from Ian Smith um, I'll I get your thoughts on as well then because we're big advocates of this one but uh, do we need to just accept the fact that we're not likely to find a left center back that's better than any of our right footed ones that we've already got I get the preference for balance but in Mc Boy McNair and Fry, we've got two top quality centre backs who are more than capable of playing that role. For me, I think if we can get one, perfect. Um, if not, then we, we have got the replacements there. But it comes down to probably having the the squad depth of it. I think you know we've got what I think there's Fry, there's Lenahan, obviously who's out now. You've got McNair, um, you've got Dyke Steele and Ball are really in. Yeah, probably need. And Tommy, sorry, Tommy Smith, the, the Martin Cranies of this world. Um, <laughs> he was probably more of a of a, of a right wing back than, right wing than back, anything. Yeah. Um, I think we we have got quality for, uh, for uh, centre back. Sorry, in in McNair and, and, and Fry. You know, we don't write Dale Fry off. Um, good, very very good centre back. You know, I think Lenahan deserved his, his place in the in the team uh, this week. Um, otherwise, I think you would you definitely be seeing Fry start there. And Fry will make that position his own. Um, but I think for me, if if you can get a left centre back, absolutely you, you go for it. Um, but again, you know, we've got some like I think Ian's right there. We do have quality centre backs, but I think it's just a case of I don't think we need to accept it yet. What about you? Do you think we need to accept it yet? Or I think I don't know. It's a tough one. I think we have found a left-footed centre-half. That I don't think he's better than what we've already got, but he certainly improves that left-hand side, and we've bid for him already in Jacob Greaves. Now, whether or not Hull want to sell is, time will tell. I think there will be a point in the transfer window where things do start to shift in gear. It has been, generally speaking, quite slow for a lot of clubs, and I just feel like... Borough will go back in for Greaves and surely there'll be a, a, another option. There will there will be another option there if we don't actually land Greaves. But he's a, a fantastic player that, that fits the system comfortable on the ball, bringing it out, playing as one of those wide centre-halves, um, decent in the air as well. 
So I think we have found one. It's just acquiring him that's obviously proving quite difficult. But I'm hoping that that Hull decide that the offer's too good to turn down. Um, I wouldn't expect Jacob Reeves to push for the move because I think he is a Hull lad. His dad played for mm. Hull as well. So there's, there's connections there. It's obviously a club close to his heart. But at the end of the day, the, the, there is a project at Hull, but I think the strength in the project is far greater at Middlesbrough, although the, the first two games haven't really showed that. So, yeah, I think if we go in for Greaves, I'll be really happy. Obviously, we have, yeah. but if we go in for him further and put in another bid and, and test their resolve a little bit. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, next question is from Jimmy Lees, and he says, does everyone agree that Duncan Watmore is a perfect impact sub? Also, everyone is talking about defenders and strikers. We are lacking three new midfielders, surely. Duncan Watmore side of things, I agree. You know, impact sub for me, I think he's, he's definitely best when he comes out of that. And there's nothing worse for a centre-back than, than Duncan Watmore running that year with 20 minutes to go uh, when you're fatigued. And then the other side of it, of needing three new midfielders, we spoke about it, you know, that we definitely need depth there. Um, hopefully we can bring someone in or a couple of players in this week um, to try and cement that a little bit further and try to improve things for more competition for places. Next question, D, uh, it's from Paul Smith. And he says, what do you think the problem at Middlesbrough is with transfers? Every manager since Karanka that I can remember has had targets and wanted to do the business early, yet uh, we miss out on so many uh, yeah. We sell players easily, i.e. Tav. Look, it took about six to seven days that we know to get it over the line. So what is the problem there? What is the problem? Why can't Boris sign players? I'd love to diagnose an issue here, but I honestly don't have a clue. Um, I feel like this is one for a, an athletic long read, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think we're the only club, to be fair. Um it is frustrating as a fan, but I do think the market is different. It's kind of getting over the the kind of COVID market whilst also obviously the season has been brought forward, started in July, for Christ's sake, like mm. <laughs> July. So I think it's probably just different this year. Um, but then again, as Paul said, it has been a problem for us over the years. Um, so I, I don't know, to be honest. Um I can't point the finger at anybody because I know everybody loves to point the finger at Neil Bowser, but I just don't know. You know, we're obviously inside outsiders. We don't know the inside scoop. Um, I don't yeah, know. It's, all, it's also not Neil Bowser anymore either. It's it's Kieran Scott that's managing all those deals. So, I mean, mm. also, I'm sure when Bowser will have yeah, a, you know, yeah, the, the will, final grin, yeah. should we say. Yeah, <laughs> but also on that as well, I think with, with Borough now and like with signings in general, We've got a new head of football in, you know, we're, we're playing a new system, new like a manager who's not even 12 months into a job yet, new style, you know, and new players coming to the football club. And it does take time for, for transfers to come in because you're waiting on different clubs to, to complete transfers. So every all of this will take a lot of time. And I've said on this podcast on numerous times, I think Borough's new way of being a much more sustainable New Middlesbrough could take two or three years to really bear its fruits and I cry for, for patience but we, you know I mean everyone wants us to go up straight away and I don't blame us so um... there's also another point about the fact that we have sold Tav for 10 million and Spence for 20 million now I'm not yeah. expecting Borough to have exactly 30 million to spend but clubs will know that we've sold key assets for big amounts of money and therefore I think they'll up their price Wilder's spoken yeah. quite a few times now about being quoted I think 20 million for a championship striker that's never played in the Premier League I mean that's probably Victor Jokeres there so I think 
clubs are going to up their demand because they know that Middlesbrough have the cash or could potentially have the cash mm. to potentially overspend there. So maybe that's played a part in it as well. It's going to go down the wire, isn't it? Absolutely mm. down the wire. Um, the next question is from Ryan. He says, with Corburn out for six to eight weeks and a clear struggle in the transfer market, is it time that Wilder puts his pride aside and gives Uche a number, especially when we're losing and putting Crooks up top? I don't think Uche should have a number. Look, I don't think he suits Wilder's football. And to be honest, it's... As much as I liked Uche, you know, um, as a character, and only under under Chris, uh, course, I think it's a Chris Warnock, Neil Warnock. Um, <laughs> it was Chris Parker last week. Chris, yeah, um, I'm terrible for names at the minute. Uh, but under Warnock, you could see it. You know, he could bring players in, he caused problems, and he was a sticking point because you want to get balls out wide. Um, with, with with Uche, I just don't think he has the movement, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. I just don't think he has the movement in the box to to get what we want to get out of him. But, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't know. have the energy either. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. 50 minutes, so, he was back money. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and even when he went to Cardiff, he started maybe two games. I'm going to have to research that. that. But off the top of my head, it, but he, he came off the bench more times than he started for them. And, you know, that's not a coincidence. That's obviously for a reason. And... I just don't think that in terms of the mobility and in terms of the the engine and the energy that he fits. And I mean, it's kind of that Patrick Roberts syndrome, isn't it? That as soon as things aren't necessarily going well, it's always the, the player that isn't playing that is like the, mm. the, the hero and, and the person that we should go to, the, the answer to all of our questions. Uche is not the answer to all of our questions. Wilder has said himself that he doesn't fit the system. He said that at the Q&A about, what was it, three weeks ago, now two weeks ago. Um, he just doesn't fit the system. And he said that it's nothing against him. He's a fantastic guy, is Uche, and Borough will not stand in the way, stand in his way. If there's an offer in for him, he'll say only good things about Uche. But unfortunately, he just doesn't fit the system. I understand what people are saying about he's a focal point and he can bring others into play. But we need more than that. It's not just being a target man. It's being an all-rounder. And unfortunately, Uche is not that. Next question. Um, it's from Mike. He says, do we have a problem with a lack of leaders in the squad? If so, how do we address it? Um, I think there, I think there is a little bit of a lack of leadership that we've got. But we've sold a leader in Tav. Um, you know, Housen's, <laughs> of course, there. You know, McNeza and McNeza leader. You know, Stefan again, US International will probably be a leader in that dressing room. I think there Lenahan is probably a Smith. Le, Lenahan Smith. Yeah, like there's there's been improvements there. Um, but I think it's just going to be a bit of a. It said that we're, we're what six or seven players short. Um, we're going to probably bring those players in, um, but it's not like I don't think we're too short of it. To be honest, I don't think we should throw the ties out the pram at all. It's it's so early in the season, um, and we've got so much of our work to do still. Address it by signing players. If not, that's absolutely <laughs> fine. We've got enough in there to make a good strong group in the changing room. Uh, but then the last question is from Paul uh, Dan. It says, has Chamber done enough uh, for the first two games to warrant a chance to prove himself long-term in the squad moving forward? Has Chuba done it, Dana? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think it, I think Chris Wilder said that he was brilliant yesterday, and he absolutely was. He cha- he was the one that changed the game more than McNair did. I do think McNair had an impact on the game because obviously he was the one that drove that pass into Tuba for the 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 second goal that we scored. But it was Akpom really that was making things happen up front and making it stick, and also mm. keeping the play going as well, recycling possession, helping that ball progress up the field. Um, so I think he has, but. I still don't think he'll be here when Borough get all their options in. Um, obviously, that depends on if Borough do get their options in. If they don't, then I think he will still be here. But it's good. It's a win-win situation for Middlesbrough. And you kind of alluded to it last week that he's putting himself in the shot window so that if that does happen, um, Borough do need to offload him because they've brought in options, then clubs will look at his performances yeah. probably last season as well obviously they won't be so short-sighted as to just look at this season but they'll look at this season as well so far and say you know what he's got something to offer um and then if he stays but i've got a good option there so yeah um i'm all i'm all on board the tuba at pom redemption arc i am a big fan of it he's only putting value on his on his price tag as well so we're exactly getting, which would yeah. benefit borough so it's just all a win-win um, but there is a striker that is coming into the club, um, and it's Matthew Hoppy. Uh, Borough have agreed a deal with Real Mallorca um, for about £2.5 million. Um, the US international is, is still waiting on a work permit uh, to complete the deal, um, and it'll bolster Chris Wilder's strike force. And we're going to do a, a video on Matthew Hoppy once it's being confirmed. The lowdown, if you haven't seen our lowdown videos already on our YouTube channel and they're on our podcast providers as well, uh, do give them a, a watch or a listen because we just go into real in-depth of these players and, and what they'll bring into it. But then I just want to have your initial thoughts um, because I appreciate we're going to be bringing out a video in the next day or two about him. But £2.5 is the reported fee. Um, 22-year-old, I believe. 22, 23-year-old. 21. 21-year-old. Um, see... Didn't even know his age. And that's why the Lord on videos are so good, because I normally get that right. Um, <laughs> but can you? what's your thoughts on the move? And also, can you see him being a, a first-team starter? For now, I think, yeah, I can see him being in the first-team picture. But I, I'm quite happy with it, to be honest. I do think he's an upgrade on what more from what I've heard and what I've read. He will chase down lost causes. He will be that player that, that harasses defenders, as I said last week. And I, I do think he's he's got potential there as well. But not only potential, I think he's got the attributes to deliver now. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I think it's it's a good move, uh, decent value as well. His value can increase. He's obviously got that carrot dangling in front of him with Qatar. Um, there's a kind of question marks over who starts for the US men's national team. So we've got two players there. You know, you, you're talking about the goalkeeper situation, Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, who plays... Um, who plays up front, it could be decided at Millsborough Football Club who actually gets on their, what do they call it, roster? Is that what they call it? Um, for, for Qatar. Yeah, the United States yeah. of Middlesbrough. The United States of Middlesbrough. Uh, <laughs> if you call us, now we'll start some stripes and all kits. What, um, what did Matt Crooks say? Let's play soccer, didn't he, to, yeah. to Zach Steffen? <laughs> Hope there's yeah. a sequel to that. I hope so too. I mean, Leeds also have a, a number of US players mm. as well, and the US coach and Jesse Marsh and um, yeah, the US takeover in, in English football. Absolutely love it. Um but yeah, I think it's a good I think it's a good deal for Borough, you know, twenty one year old, a lot of potential, good fee. Um, you know, I think Borough fans will always clamour for their where's a twenty goal a season striker for for, <laughs> for ten pence and hope for the best. Um you never know you might see it in force this year if we create the chances we're creating in the box. Um but yeah, I think I'm happy with it, you know, and initial thoughts. Twenty one year old, we can add value to him. 
as as he gets older. I think mean, it's reported a four year deal as well. I think so. It's it. I think again, it, I think it's a good move. It shows that sustainability that we're trying to do as a football club and trying to bring more value to these footballers and and really improve us on the pitch as well. And I think he does that as well. But we've got a lowdown video coming out in the, in the next day or two and we'll come over and give you all the insights as well from the United States men's national team thoughts page as well. So all uh, videos ahead very soon. Um, but make sure you subscribe to our channels to to, to find that. So that's a little push there uh, to do so. <laughs> but let's look ahead uh, to Borough's game uh, on Wednesday now where we play Barnsley in the first round of the Carabao Cup, uh, the Riverside. But to get a Barnsley perspective, I want to leave you in the warm, soothing sounds of Joe from the Red All Over in a lovely garden, by the way. It's a lovely video. <laughs> um, who will give you insights on the Tykes following their relegation from the championship. Hey to all the Borough fans. Uh, thanks to Borough Breakdown for having us on. I know you thought you got rid of us last season after Barnsley got relegated, but now we've found a way to sneak onto your video. Uh, League Cup game, Borough versus Barnsley. Looking forward to this one. Great that we get to play you guys uh, this season. In terms of Barnsley, um, definitely going through a transition period at the minute. Last season was awful. Uh, really, really poor season for us. So we're just starting to see uh, some changes. Michael Duff, new manager's come in, and I think he was the best man for the job. He's starting to, to really lay his, his mark down, but there's still quite a lot of confidence issues among some of the players uh, from last season. I think they're still trying to shake off what was a really poor season. Uh, but we started to see uh, signs that that's actually you know going away now, beating Cheltenham 1-0 this weekend, and it were a much improved Barnsley performance after a poor performance against Plymouth on the opening day of the season. Uh, Starmen, it's hard, to, it's hard to say we've lost quite a lot of our players who have uh, been sold in the summer uh, and brought in quite a few new faces. So I'd probably say Luke Thomas scored the goal against Cheltenham and it was a great goal but it was dangerous all game man of the match by by a mile to be fair um, so if he keeps playing like that he probably will be one of our star men this season uh, still thinking James Norwood's going to do the business for us he's just come in as well uh, but still not fully fit so we've not seen the best of him yet but we're obviously we're only two games into the season so I reckon he'll be a threat um, probably going to be some changes I imagine for a League Cup game but I'm going to go for a, a one-all draw uh, in this one I think it'll finish 1-1 so happy uh, that Joe is a lot happier in this video than he was in the last video uh, we did with Joe and I mean to be fair so they were absolutely rubbish and then they went and beat us 3-2 um, yeah. so yeah um, he thinks 1-1 one, one draw extra time penners oh, I know it's just penners isn't it in the Carabao Cup um, but I have no idea see, that's how irrelevant this game is um, but Dana um, what is how are you feeling about the game I'm assuming you're not that you're too buzzing about it but What's your prediction as well? Um, I don't know. I'm a very fickle fan when it comes to the early rounds of the cup because I don't really feel anything towards it. And I'd love to know if the listeners have the same kind of thoughts. I mean, I'll still be there and obviously support Borough and things like that, but I can never really get myself up for these early cup games. Um, and then I'm bang up for it when we get into the bloody quarterfinals. Um but yeah, I think this is a good test for Middlesbrough. It's a good test to maybe bring in the likes of Boyd Munch, who every time I go to say his name, I go to say Boyd Munch for some reason. Um, but then... Boyd Munch. Just edit his face onto some of those. Um, but then maybe Sonny Finch as well. Um, mm. 
trying to think who else is kind of in in reserve. Uh, Liam Roberts can can maybe be our cup keeper. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how Borough will line up because I think there's an awful lot to to learn and improve, and that could be a good game to kind of just set a marker out initially and and kind of experiment a little bit, um, or to just potentially even keep the same team. Bar well, Lenham won't be uh, suspended for it, will he? So, um, I don't know. Maybe just shake up the squad, keep it the same. Um, bring other players back into fitness. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm not excited, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting game as well. I think any any type of these games are are always good for for fringe players to try and make a mark on that uh, on on the squad. Um, hopefully, we can bring a, a body in. Um, it's going to probably be Matthew Hoppy anyway. Um, before the game. Um, and see if we can give them a bit of a run out on game time, which is again a bonus. Um, it does go to extra time, by the way. It's thirty minutes and then pens this mm. time. Um, this season, but previously it was just penalties, so which I was kind of why I was going to be a little confused. Um, but I think we'll go through. I do think we'll uh, win by two goals to nil. Um, but and Joe's going to be furious, and hopefully I can we can get a vengeance of that because last time we played Barnsley, <laughs> that was a nightmare. Um, both yeah, personally and going to the game as well. I mean. The unlucky saxophone as well of me going. I hope I don't get searched by a freaking sniffer dog this time. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I mean, our bouncy as well. That was the. We all stood there like, on what on earth happened to Dana? But you know, <laughs> getting a full body search. Uh, oh. hey, um, I had a big saxophone in my hand and like, mm. what on earth's going on. But predictions, Dana, you, you could do a goal. Um... Who's going to score? I'm going to go 2 0. I think Akpom will score. I said he'll score last week for this game and he never, so he's going to score this time. And, ooh, who else? I think Crooks. So Crooks and, and, um, and Akpom. Crook, Crooks and Akpom. And who's going to be your curse moment of the week? <laughs> <laughs> probably that. I'll probably, probably that. get like Crooks will get sent off and then Akpom will get injured, something like that. Small curse, the official curse of Middlesbrough Football Club. But that's it, Dana. Thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. And thank you very much uh, to the listeners and the viewers as well uh, for watching, subscribing, and helping us grow a little bit more as well. And we really do appreciate it. Um, but if you haven't already, do subscribe to the channel. We've got a load of content coming out over the next few weeks, especially a video about Matthew Hoppy uh, on the lowdown over the next couple of days. Uh, but for right now, this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast. And that was all your Bora Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Bora Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 